0: I'm Peter Alakawi and welcome to Life School, the podcast. Each episode, I'll be chatting openly and honestly with a different guest about a whole host of purposeful topics. From personal success and failure stories, to relationship advice, tips and tricks for entrepreneurs, to professional and practical guidance on living a more fulfilled and happy life. I'll be speaking to men and women from all walks of life, all with unique experiences they want to share in the hope of inspiring you. I hope throughout this series you can take away some valuable nuggets of wisdom to help you navigate through life's many twists, turns, and lessons. Here at Life School, we are all about the business of learning. So let's get on with the show. And remember, everything you go through grows you. Welcome to episode 7 of Life School, series 1 DXB Women Who Inspire Me. My guest today is a woman who does just that. She inspires me. I am thrilled and honored to welcome to the podcast business advisor, communications consultant and executive coach Lucy Darbo. In 2004 Lucy co-founded Darbo & Co with her sister Camilla, an integrated communications agency here in Dubai and together they spent the next 11 years building it to be the largest independent agency of its kind in the region. With a renowned priority for excellence at its core, underpinned with creativity and a powerful company culture that was the heartbeat of the business, Darbo & Co went on to be recognized with over 20 industry awards and was also listed in the top 10 great places to work index three years consecutively and ranked in the Dubai SME 100. In 2015, Darbo & Co was acquired by Edelman, the largest PR firm in the world. Lucy remained as Managing Director within the business for almost two years, supporting the integration and merger of the business regionally before handing over the reins to Edelman. Lucy, who lives in Dubai with her husband Chris and three children, now works as a business advisor and communications consultant, leveraging her extensive knowledge and experience in both building and selling a successful business in the Middle East and two decades in the creative communications industry. I personally gained so much from this episode and I hope you get as many tangible takeaways from this as I did when I recorded this with Lucy last month. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the wonderful Lucy Darbo. Enjoy.
1: Lucy, welcome to Life School. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Thank you so much for giving me your time today. So our listeners will have heard a little bit about your incredible business accomplishments and accolades in the intro. But in your own words, can you talk us through your entrepreneurial journey so far?
1: I'm always really anxious when people say entrepreneur because I think, I always imagine that's saved for Richard Branson and people like that, not little old me. I know, and it's such
0: like a buzzword at the moment as well, isn't it? And that's
1: it, yeah. I think the classification of entrepreneur is definitely open to be reviewed over time. But um, for myself, so I set up a business with my sister, which I think is, pretty unusual. And most people I say that to are like, how could you work with your sister? I barely can you know, have a holiday with mine without killing her. So I suppose to give context, we um, sort of were accidental entrepreneurs, intending to work, but never really having any idea what our journey would end up like. Um, we're very close. So my sister Camilla and I. Uh, to give you a little story about how close we are. When um, I was born we lived in Sudan in Khartoum and there's four years between us and um, by the time I was nearly two my mother was just like, why doesn't Lucy speak? And they took me back to the UK to see um, an ENT specialist and have this whole analysis about why I wasn't speaking. And I was in fact speaking, I was speaking Sudanese fluently And I was speaking gibberish to my sister. We had our complete own language. So when it came to sitting down for dinner and mum would be like, Lucy, would you like peas? I would just turn to my sister and go, whatever language I was speaking. And she'd go, no, she's fine. In your own language? Literally own language, but no English. So English was never spoken. So the specialist said to my mother, she speaks perfect English. She's just choosing not to use it. So it probably says a lot about me, the fact that I chose not to communicate with anyone except my sister. That's amazing. So bizarre. But I think that's a real insight into um, Camilla and I's relationship from a very early start. So when I relocated to to Dubai, my background uh, was marketing and events and her background was advertising and finance and we were both living here, having a great time in our 20s, both working for agencies. So I was working for an ad agency, and she was working for an ad agency too, and we'd meet, as you do, sisters who are like best friends, drinks after work, we would talk about our work days, and both of us would be like, oh, well, the company hasn't done this, and our poor client's trying to do that, and they just won't deliver. And then we had a light bulb. We were like, there is just a gap for really, really good quality integrated comms, and it just wasn't around back in 2004. And I bet the
0: the landscape of media and advertising was so different then as well.
1: Well, Media City, I think, had only opened a year or two before, so everything was sort of evolving very much but at the time advertising was a very traditional platform there was pr agencies there were advertising agencies and very little overlap so um, this one evening we got really excited and we were like we could totally do this we could do really great work and most importantly have somewhere that we'd want to work that was a real driver going okay to do the best possible work and make the client the priority and also go somewhere where we'd really want to be Mm -hmm. rather than an environment that didn't work for us so we spent the next two weeks crafting our business plan and convincing both our husbands at the time that we had the best idea in the world and that we were gonna do this brilliant business Um, and within a month we were up and running I resigned um, we used my sister's salary as income for the business so that we could kind of try and... So your
0: sister stayed in her job for a little yeah, while For another, and you resigned?
1: She stayed, I think it was two months in the end, which was brilliant because then we were generating an income Smart, yeah. to help support us whilst I was able to do all the groundwork, finding the office, getting the business license finalised, getting our bank accounts up and running, which was no small feat in those days. Um, we, of course, took the tricky route and went economic department rather than a free zone, because we felt it had more gravitas because it was a much harder license to to get and still is actually. Um, And then we managed to secure our first client within a week of me leaving my job. Um, A client rang me and said, oh, I've got this big pitch, Um, you know, would you like to participate with your agency? And I said, oh, no, I've left. And they said, well, no problem. It's you I'm calling. It doesn't matter. It's nothing to do with the business. I'd like you to put yourself forward. So we then did our first pitch for a polo tournament. So we were doing sponsorship, uh, PR, and- Nice first client. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Amazingly lucky. Um, and we had a code word. So we used to communicate with each other because of course she was still at work. So the title to everything was the mint with a hole, polo. So we knew <laughs> that we could get away. That was like our cover. Um, So you're back
0: to having like a secret language. Yes,
1: exactly. (laughs) I'd never thought of that. You're so right. It totally was. And we loved it. I think, you know, those early days are so much fun because the level of adrenaline and excitement and the unknown, you know, we had a plan, but you never really know how these things are going to roll out. Amazing.
0: And having been at the helm of your own successful business for over 10 years now, um, what are some of the most challenging obstacles you face and how have you overcome them?
1: It's a really long list. <laughs> so long I'm imagining the first
0: one was probably setting up the business officially.
1: Actually, do you know what? That first period was really, mu- you know, quite smooth. Okay. Um, we were asked a lot over the years, you know, being women in the Middle East, setting up the business... Some of the financials were tricky because the Mm. banks weren't necessarily supporting us, but actually the overall process was pretty straightforward. The bigger challenges actually came when the business got bigger. Um, I think there were three, I would say, in the kind of 15 years um, we were running it. Firstly was the recession in 2008. Anyone who was here then will remember it. Um, The second one was retaining really great people because we were An agency in client servicing, ultimately, or professional services. People are everything. And thirdly, merging with another business Mm. when we sold. So they were the three that stand out the most as the biggest obstacles. Um, The recession was really frightening.
0: Yeah, I wasn't here then. Okay. But I mean, people still talk about it now. It was
1: like, I mean, People, we're not. I mean, I was in the
0: UK, so we felt it there. Yes, but I, I wasn't here,
1: yeah. And people talk about now the economy's, you know, up and down to say the least. Let's say it's unpredictable at the moment, and there are challenges. What's different between now and then? In two thousand and eight, we got a phone call, um, eight a.m., eight thirty. The phone rang the first time on that day, and it was the first client cancelling. And in 24 hours, we lost 30% of our client base.
0: And how many years into the business was this? We were
1: four or five years. we just moved offices. We'd doubled the size of our space. Oh, we were like up the to about time. 60 people. Um, we'd taken, actually, which was very forward-thinking at the time, a warehouse in Alcoz, and completely renovated it. Um, and it was such a cool, funky space. And we had, And we'd actually got even bigger than we needed. So we had at least the capacity to grow. Um, at least another 20%. Fortunately, we only hired a couple of new members of staff on the move. We took everyone with us. But to get those calls in that day and to lose 30% of your revenue, uh, literally overnight, was like nothing that can prepare you. Because I think the one thing people don't talk about enough as an entrepreneur or business owner is the responsibility that you hold, that you're yeah. carrying the weight of 60 people on your shoulders that, you know, each of those people have family members that rely on them. Children, husbands, grandparents. Absolutely. There is, you know, and they've got their own mortgage payments to, or loan repayments or car repayments. Yeah, or rent. the
0: repercussions. I was actually last yeah. night watching a documentary about the Thomas Cook um, downfall oh. and they were interviewing families that had obviously been let go. And I just... Yeah, it's such an enormous responsibility. Um, and you really feel the weight of
1: it. Yeah. On days like that, particularly. I mean, how, did you, how did you cope with that? Well, I have to say it was a really dark period for both Camilla and I. I mean, the personal struggle, because, as I say, that responsibility, which we'd held already for almost five years, very happily and comfortably within mm. reason, um, put under such enormous pressure, it actually was the opportunity to really be quite creative. And I think that was the great learn from it. It was such a big obstacle, but what it actually gave us was some of the best business lessons we learned. And the main one that came out of it was actually how transparency and collaboration is not something to avoid, which so many businesses do. And we really lent into our team and we pulled everyone together and we were just like, we can't hide from this. We have to just face up to it as a group and collectively we can work through it because Camilla and I are not going to be alone trying to do this if we all want to succeed we need to do it together so we brought everyone together and we literally had no option but to say look we either have to let people go to help fund because we had had such dramatic loss of income or what we can do and we ran all the numbers loads of different ways was do a voluntary pay cut across the whole company if everyone took 10% that meant everyone could stay employed. And that was kind of our encouragement of saying, look, we would much rather keep the team because we know we'll ride through this. We believe in all of you. We believe in us. The storm will, you know, things never last forever, but we need to find a way to make sure we can all get through it. And and how did your
0: team respond to that? Because here, obviously, your job is tied to your visa, everything is tied to your visa. So you want to, if you found an amazing company and you love your work, you want to stay there. So how was the response? Amazing.
1: That's what was so brilliant. Like We always knew we had this amazing tribe and that was so important for Camilla and I. And probably because we're sisters, we'd always had this family environment where caring for one another was a priority across the board. So the response was overwhelming because... Everyone was friends and everyone was family. So knowing that your small sacrifice ensured that your colleagues and you could all stay. But furthermore, we also were really open about the numbers. And we had regular company meetings were like, this is where we're at, this is the reality. However, this is what we need to do together to get back to here and once we get there, business is normal again. And That's actually, so
0: refreshing because I
1: don't think that happens a lot here. No, and you know it really doesn't actually. And a lot of the time, I'm not there isn't a re, a good reason not to. People will say it's not company policy or they'll say. Mm. but actually, when you really drill into it, there are always opportunities. and I think it's no you know it's no coincidence that the most successful people in the world are the most resourceful because mm. actually, success is about being resourceful and resourcefulness and yeah. using everything around you to find a way through. A challenge or an obstacle so that was a huge one and it also um led on to recognizing how important a company culture is the values that you operate within and how all of those things stepped up to support us through it
0: it always surprises me here because it's quite simple really if you if someone's doing good work for you and being loyal and committed to your mm. organization if you make them feel valued and recognize that then they'll probably want to give even more and it amazes me here how So many of my friends just feel so undervalued and so kind of stretched in their roles here. And they really love their job, but sometimes they end up leaving and going to someone else because they just have enough.
1: Yeah. And And it's, it's such a shame. Do you know, it's one of the things we hear the most now, sort of looking back. So we had such amazing people all through our journey. You know, people came and went, it's a natural cycle of life. But what we really have is like this amazing Darbo alumni who are all still in touch who are all still oh, working across different agencies and it's such a sort of network of support of paying it forward so everyone's always finding each other roles and, and actually the thing they always say every time we bump into them or we intentionally we have reunions quite regularly um, they're like you just have no idea we worked longer hours but we felt more valued because we'd rather have stayed because we all knew what we were working for. We were so clear about the fact that everything we did was about the best quality, the most creative, and people being at the centre of it all. You all
0: had the same sort of mission yeah. together.
1: Yeah, and, and their purpose. You know, businesses yeah. nowadays, and we know that you know the next generation, the millennials and, and those below, below them, really need to believe in the business they work for, and it needs to sit happily with their values. Yeah. And if you're clear about what you're there to do above making money, because money was certainly not our driver at the beginning. Yes, it's a necessary evil, some might say,
0: but what like was that. driving Necessary us, evil. Yeah, because,
1: you know, I can tell you one thing. Camilla and I were not sitting around counting every dirham and fill. Yes, we needed it and we had great financial yeah. support from our finance team. But our drive was the people, the work, the people, the work, the people, the work. And it was a byproduct. And that's what having a clear purpose will deliver. If everyone knows what they're driving towards, The money will be a byproduct. Success, financial success will come. It will come. But it won't come if that's your only focus. Because staring at a spreadsheet and trying to drive Mm. towards a large, you know, PL number has never delivered results.
0: So we've touched on resourcefulness and purpose. What would you say are some of the key factors that go into building and selling a successful business here in the Middle East?
1: Yeah, I have to say a lot of factors. But what an interesting learning journey it was going through that process because um, both Camilla and I were very particular about how we set up the business. We're both very organised and process driven, which has helped us enormously because if I, we didn't know when we went to sell the business what we needed to have in place, which is one of my great passions now, is the fact if I knew then what I know now. How different Isn't life that always been. the way? And, and did yeah. you
0: always intend on selling the business?
1: No. Okay. We, to be totally honest, if you, when we set up the business, I don't think either of us thought what was going to happen 10 years down the line. We were so in the moment and in the work. So we weren't, you know, creating, solving the world's biggest problems. We were a communications agency, after all, providing a service. So we hadn't ever considered where we ended up was definitely not what we thought we were going to end up like um but scale sort of gives you several different challenges if you haven't got the infrastructure right which is essential if you're going to sell a business and when we talk about infrastructure proper financial planning which everyone talks about but you cannot stress it enough and that doesn't mean just having you know an excel document it means being audited effectively, having a proper financial process internally about how things are signed off and approved. Because when it comes to selling a business, that's what companies are looking for. A multinational won't take risk on an, a sort of unformed entity. They need to be reassured because in this day and age, there is so much smoke and mirrors, and companies are held to such a high standard, rightly that the kind of businesses they can invest in need to live up to those standards. So the kind of operational infrastructure is really, really important. And people think it's really boring and unnecessary, but actually they need to know that there are job descriptions and there's proper HR function in place and all of these essential you know, pillars which make a, a full round business. I
0: know that you're a business consultant now. Mm. Do you come across a lot of businesses that, um, not just SMEs, but businesses that from the outside look sort of, Uh, very structured and organized and then you go in and it's, it's just not the case and you're quite shocked at the fact that they don't have these vital things in
1: place? It's half and half to be honest because sometimes it's such a wonderful surprise. You go in and you think wow it is actually as good as it looks. Yes nobody's perfect I mean we know that and the joy of being a consultant is you're going in to look at all the challenges and the problems. So we know with everything if you're looking for them you'll find them. Some absolutely worse than others and that's why I talk about financials because that tends to be the weakest area. You know you have really robust Financial performance, but being managed like a shopkeeper, you know, and a business has been running for 10 years Yeah, and it's still one person running it off an Excel spreadsheet That is not a robust business and a a company coming into the market to acquire you would absolutely run a mile So there are three things that businesses are looking for when they come to acquire Mm. and that's a brand Which is fundamental people don't buy people because people tend not to be for sale. You can't buy me, unless I am Lucy Darbo, the brand. And that's why I talk about brand being so important. There has to be equity associated to your brand in order for there to be a value. Because if someone had tried to buy us 10 years previously, it really would have been Camilla and Lucy and a fantastic group of people doing great work. But actually, over the more than a decade later, we had a recognized brand equity in the market as the leading consumer integrated Mm. comms agency with awards, you know, award recognition for the brand with a huge cross section of talented people, senior Mm. leadership team in place. So it was no longer Camilla and Lucy. It was actually Darbo & Co had its own brand equity. That's so
0: interesting because people always bat around that saying people buy people. But you're right, it's it's about building that brand. Yeah. And yes, you are the people behind that brand, but it's what your brand identity is. And what that we develop is important.
1: Absolutely. Because ultimately if you buy me and I choose to go, oh no, you know, I really I've just been dreaming about living in Switzerland and, you know, hiking. I'm off now. <laughs> yeah, I'm off, then what happens? yeah, okay, I've just spent all of this on a, and then everybody leaves and so that's why it's so important, because yes, of course you can technically buy people, but for a business to invest, that's a very precarious investment. Whereas actually investing in a business that is robust Mm -hmm. and has longevity and has brand equity. And I specifically talking about professional services too, because we're really people, we don't have a product. Our product is Mm -hmm. our service. So that has to be really robust. The second thing is like I was saying about the um, people, you have to have a solid, a solid plan and a succession plan because if a company's coming in and sees only the owners and the founders then there's a huge risk associated to that in the same way building a brand around just the person if you have an infrastructure of the business is around the t- you know one owner two owners three owners and then it's a huge drop to very executional operators. That means that they really would need to have the owners committed to the business for at least five years. Yeah, it's the same thing,
0: isn't it? What happens if they have a baby or they decide to relocate? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a worry. It is a definite worry. So having sort of the fundamental business infrastructure in place, having a strong brand equity and having a succession plan will stand you in the absolute best stead when it comes to selling.
0: Mm. Thank you for that. what's been the biggest lesson you've learned in business so far
1: what goes around comes around amen (laughs) karma yes i mean so simple but i you know i have very strong integrity and you know ethical behavior was something at the core of our business you know go to bed at night sleep peacefully knowing you've done the right thing and of course, in 15 years running a business in the Middle East, people did some really unscrup- unscrupulous things. Yeah, I can um, imagine. To us, at us, you know, rumors, staff, clients, you name it. So you can't react to how other people behave. And that was, and we never did, and we never would, and I never will, because actually what I've seen is good follows good. You know, yeah. if you're true to yourself and you're true to your values, then those around you that try and interfere, and you've got to stay focused. Stay focused on what you believe in, what's true to you. Yeah. And they can do what they need to do because what goes around comes around.
0: And I feel like here it's it's like a village. I mean, it's just so small. Yeah. Um, that I find even for me when I've been working with clients, and you know, the agreement comes to an end for whatever reason. Mm. I never ever burn bridges or, uh, and I'm just you know a freelance consultant, it's just me. But I think, no, because they then might open another business and two years down the line, we might end up working together again. Or even if someone's done something that I really, is not comfortable with me, I try and remain as sort of neutral as I can Mm. because yeah, it's that what goes around comes around. But it can be hard sometimes. It's a conscious
1: effort. A hundred percent. Because, you know, we're all natural and we have emotions. But, you know, staying focused on who you are and controlling who you are and what you do is the only thing you can control. We can't control the economy. We can't control force majeure. We can't control other people. We can only control, you know, our own behaviours, our own reactions and our own emotions. And, yes, we can ride through how frustrating... I mean... Gosh, the, you know, all the emotions, the emotional roller coaster that we went through, the ups and downs, the deep hurt, huge celebrations, chronic sadness at times. But ultimately, you just have to keep plowing forward because you're clear about where you want to go and what you want to do.
0: Did you see a shift when social media became more prominent, WhatsApp, did you see a shift with your clients in terms of sort of boundaries? Because I feel like even, I've been freelancing for five years now, and even in that short time, yeah. I have seen such a shift. And I find that one of the hardest things. Yeah. Where the ba- it's setting personal boundaries. Yeah. Um, and I know you're a coach as well, and I'm actually towards the end of a coaching course. Oh, fantastic. And part of the coaching course is the coaching agreement and yeah. putting those boundaries in place. And that's been really helpful for me because I often in the past haven't done that and have you found that quite challenging? Yes. <laughs> because of things like, you know, WhatsApp, it's just, you know, any time of the day, you can just ping a message. I, know I, was about to
1: say, I think WhatsApp is the most recent, for sure, because mm. there is um, a level of invasion of your personal time that is unavoidable, because it tells you what time you last would look at it, whether you've read it or not. It's a form of communication that we've never had to contend with. But um, boundary setting is a really important aspect actually. And certainly when you're in an agency environment where clients are paying you for a service, often believe that because they're paying you, they have you yeah, 24 seven. <laughs> and you know, we wrangled with this so much over the years because you know, in one breath, you need client is at the core and we have to serve. That is what we are here to do is to serve our clients. On the other side, we are also, as business leaders, responsible for our team and the welfare of the people who are there to help deliver that work. So trying to find a way to keep both happy, motivated, you know, happy with results was such a challenge. And exactly like you touched on with boundaries, that was the key only at the beginning of the relationship. Very hard to change a relationship halfway through. Yeah. In anything in life, but a business relationship is challenging so the easiest way to do it was to do it at the outset once the contracts being signed being really clear and saying you know this is how we operate like rules of use exactly like you said with the um, coaching agreement be very clear that you know we operate like this this is the team and yeah. actually we were very forward-thinking we were, we were hiring part-timers seven eight years ago when it wasn't really yeah, I mean, freelance is,
0: is quite a relatively new thing here now. And it costs us with more money. What, the freelance licensing? Exactly, we didn't have,
1: that wasn't... Yeah, that um, wasn't a thing. So we were paying for a full-time visa, but only expecting certain members of staff to work part-time because we recognised the value of the individual. And, you know, a couple of them were first-time mums, or had other responsibilities that meant they wanted to pursue other things in their lives. That's One of amazing. our colleagues wanted to become a radio DJ and an MC and has since become that really successful and she wanted to still we wanted her still to stay with us. She wanted to pursue this. So we came to this brilliant compromise where we got her time, which was of such high value. Even if we only got half her time, we saw value in that. Yeah, She was then able to pursue these other sort of ambitions and dreams, and it worked really, really well. Lucy,
0: this is what I need now. Yeah, this well. is this, this is what I need now. And I think that's so refreshing because so often with not just agencies, but people get really funny if you want to also time. pursue other things and I understand if it's a conflict you know yeah. you're probably not going to hire someone that's also about to open their own comms agency but I, I always what? get a bit surprised at people that are so anti you know oh, I you know I don't want someone that, that's then going to go off and do their own business whereas yeah. I think well isn't that wonderful
1: well abso- you know I mean, the I'm world to changing. encourage that we know categorically that when we look at Millennials that they might have 10 jobs in their lifetime. Which, yeah. if we think about 30 years ago, you had two jobs in a lifetime. But further beyond that, that they might have two jobs at the same time. You know, in my opinion, adapt or die. That's what we yeah. have to do as business leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs, managers. We have to adapt so with true. the way the world is moving. And the way the world is moving is flexible working in whichever shape or form we see that. In fact, a great friend of ours who used to live in Dubai, do you know Mother Pucker? Have you heard? Mother you must Pucker. go and have a look at her handle. Her handle is Mother Pucker. And she has single-handedly, I'm going to look at
0: her straight after this. She has spearheaded Elizabeth.
1: flexible working in the UK and she's done the most phenomenal job. She's been in the Welsh wow. Assembly. She has been well documented across British media for pushing the flexible working agenda and not flexible working for mummies, flexible working for everybody because everybody deserves the right to be able to Mm. pursue their career but also have the flexibility to do childcare, to look after a a sick relative, to pursue a dream of being a professional dancer or a DJ or a...
0: and so often you can do so much work You know, remotely, from other places. There's lots of things you can do where you don't necessarily have to be in an office from nine to six. For sure. Um, And I just think it's definitely more up and coming here. I'm seeing it more and more. Yes. Um, And the government is definitely supporting it. Definitely. Even with the the new DED trader licences. You know, it's much more affordable now. Um, But it is still... Yeah, I mean, right now, I, I would love a solution like that. Um, and I'm sure they're out there. It's just finding them, isn't it? Yeah, um, and it does seem
1: harder to find, and I'm not sure why anymore, because there are so few, as you just said, so few reasons, so few barriers yeah. for going, if I can get great talent, even half of the time, because the one thing we know mm. is there is less talent pool here because we're a smaller mm. country and there's less of us. Yeah. So, of course, if we're going to compare this market to other more established markets in Europe or in the US that we're just it's a numbers game statistically you're going to have less pool of talent so the talent that is here we should all be able to leverage the way that can work for everybody
0: yeah I feel like there there might be a business idea there hopefully some kind of platform to uh to help facilitate that here um Lucy what would be your advice for anyone listening that's about to embark on starting their own business for the first time
1: be prepared for the responsibility. I really feel when I talk to a lot of um, people who are about to start out that, and it's natural, you're, you know, people are so excited about their business idea and so motivated and so galvanized and the passion is brimming over. And the really hard thing is to just be grounded for a moment and actually consider what else is involved and, and what the future is because if everyone who was setting up a business was thinking about their exit, it would probably change the success rate of businesses. Because, like us, I wasn't sitting there going, right, start the business and then this is the exit plan. I, I'd never considered what happens if I need to leave the country. No. What happens if you know, my sister wanted to leave the country, you know, all of those we could have managed through, but we'd never considered. We were just so motivated and excited to start our business. And, and committed. A hundred percent committed. But actually, the things that really need to be considered are the weight that you will carry. Um, I know a lot of people say it's not fun. It, I have to say I loved it. Absolutely loved every minute of it because I got to do the things that I enjoyed so much every day with just a bunch of brilliant people, whether that was clients or team members. So there was hard times, but the good always outweighed the bad. But the level of responsibility is something that you you can't always be prepared for. And knowing that, you know, once you get into hiring people, um, the responsibility increases. Once you recognise that you are being invested in by major global brands, that one wrong step, you know, we were representing some of the world's biggest brands if anyone had made any kind of mistake and we were in a very public forum, who knows what could have happened to both so of us. So
0: much pressure. Huge,
1: huge. How and did I think you
0: cope do with that pressure? Do you think you either are someone that can
1: mm. or
0: can't or can you learn how to cope with that pressure?
1: You really can. Um, I think naturally I could. Mm. Both Camilla and I, coincidentally, are very resilient. Um, naturally, and it's sort of in our nature to be able to just go, 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 and keep moving. However, I'm not saying that's necessarily the right way to be, and that's why I did my executive coaching diploma because I had an executive coach, and it was a game changing. Moment. I think
0: everyone needs a coach.
1: Yes, here, here.
0: <laughs> Honestly, it is so powerful. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm going to use it as a profession immediately, mm. but. I love being coached yeah it's the it's so powerful
1: and it's such a great skill set like you said doing a coaching diploma actually the fact that you either don't do it as a career but use it in your everyday life it's so valuable because the ability to understand and as a manager an extraordinary tool
0: yeah I, I decided to do a coaching course because I thought um you know i really love connecting with people and i'm always the friend that people come to for advice and i thought yeah i can definitely be a coach and then i soon realized oh coaching isn't just going around giving advice (laughs) it's the total opposite and it's so hard it is so hard um but it's changed the way i speak to people Mm, I i used to go straight in with the advice and start sort of giving examples of similar things I've been through, or with the right intentions, but now I definitely, my brain is being rewired a little bit. And Um, how you listen, probably. How I listen, Um, and it's amazing, especially with like my close relationships, like my mum, much more empathetic and understanding. Um, Yeah, I'm such an advocate for coaching.
1: And it really, honestly, for me, at the time it came into my professional life, was so important.
0: So, when did you decide to um, do a, a coaching course yourself?
1: At once I left, actually. So oh, okay. when I so I did it only a year ago. Oh wow! So yeah, it's a recent so I'm, thing. So I'm a new coach, and you have um, your ICF. Yes, That's amazing! Congratulations! Um, thank you. No, I am, um, and it was because I had of the executive coach I had. So when he came into our lives, he's called Mick Todd. He's Dubai based so anyone out there, he's going I'm amazing. going to look him up. Nick Todd. He's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and it was a, we were coming up to our 10 years in the business, and we were like, we've, we've got a lot to consider. And how are we going to structure the next 10 years? And we were considering whether to go to market for the sale, which is what we did. And we felt like between um, both Camilla and I and our MD, we could really value from some external support around our strategy and then around this executive coaching, because we knew a few people who'd done it and for someone like myself I set up the business I was 27 years old I had had three jobs I'd had probably only one decent line manager I think I would probably had two appraisals in my career you know any noteworthiness at all so to be kind of in your 30s almost 10 years into running a business with more than 70 people Who was I getting feedback from? You know, I wasn't going to get an appraisal from my sister, however much she would try. It's not the ideal scenario. So having the space to really reflect, which is what coaching is so valuable for, is someone to challenge you, to give you that perspective of your own behaviours and your own decision-making processes and management style and all of these aspects. So it was a huge game changer. I learned so much about myself that I had never really fully appreciated. And that knowledge is power. And once you know that about yourself, once you know what you're really, really good at, and really what you're not very good at, is so liberating. And just transformed me into a much better leader, a much better professional. And opened my eyes to so many more opportunities that I had never given myself space and time to consider. And doing, we did a lot of work um, across various different um, facets, but one really great thing was strength finders, which is a Gallup concept. I have to do
0: that today, actually. Oh, do you yeah, because I'm towards the end of my course and they okay. sent me a link last night. So that's one of the things I have to do today. I'll, I really, um, please let me know how you find it. Yeah, me, I've never done it before. <laughs>
1: What I think is so helpful about that particular one, I've done a lot um, over time, is that it's so accessible and easy to understand. And ultimately, it's a bit of a euphemism. It says strength finders, but ultimately what it tells you is the five biggest personality traits you have professionally and how to use them for the good and when you're using them at your worst. Yeah. And they call it the balcony in the basement. And me at my balcony in all my strengths, powerhouse. Me at my basement in all my strengths, not so good. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But that's like anyone, isn't it? I
1: mean. But it's brilliant to have that understanding and
0: awareness. Yes. And I think anyone could go on a course just for your self development. It's so eye opening. Um, And that's one of the reasons I'm now at a crossroads because I've just gone through this sort of like transformation over the past four months. And now I'm just looking at what I'm doing, thinking, oh. Is this what I want to continue doing? What are my values and beliefs? What do I really want to do? So it's really, it's very life-changing. But unless you do that work, it's almost, I feel like before the course, I was quite unconscious to certain things in my life. Mm. And it's like now I've just been woken up.
1: That's amazing. And it's so
0: uncomfortable and frustrating. And I'm so impatient with everything. But I'm like, I'm so glad this is happening. Because imagine if I hadn't have done this and I just sort of continued yeah. cruising along. Um,
1: so yeah, maybe I'll get some sessions in with you myself. I <laughs> love that. That would be such a pleasure. Because actually seeing people, you know, like being part of someone's journey is mm-hmm. so rewarding to see the light bulb moments happen where they're like... The
0: aha moments,
1: yeah. I get it. It all makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah, my coaches love the fact that I can't hide my haha moments. So in the in the sort of face to face seminars, I had so many light bulb moments where I was like, oh my God. And they're like, Peter, what just happened there
1: for you? I'm like, oh my God, I've just realized yeah. something huge. Like what? Yeah. I think that's why I'm so passionate about it because if I'd had those light bulb moments five years ago, 10 years ago, how different my journey could have been. Yeah. And I don't do regret, so don't misunderstand me. I'm not wishing to go back and do it all over but just to know that you could help facilitate others to have that amazing level of awareness to just open up your whole...
0: Yeah, it's incredible, but you have to also be ready for it. Yes.
1: Yeah, no, it's absolutely, because you can't coach someone who doesn't want to be coached. They no, have to be and I'm
0: sure you've experienced that as well. Yes. People coming to you thinking it's something quite different. Well, I, the great um, thing is I get to do both.
1: Mm. So, of course, coaching is not about giving advice, as yeah. rightly said, is actually being part of someone's journey and working with them and challenging them and quest, you know, asking the deeper questions. Whereas I also do business mentoring and the advisory piece, which is very much yes. come in, you've been through it because actually that's one thing I've really seen
0: but that's your area of expertise as well so you can consult and mentor on that whereas as you know with coaching you don't have to be an expert on the actual content and actually fun Um, for me
1: to be working with people who have nothing to do with my industry much more interesting to just see this you know world because I'm so curious about people and about you know businesses and which is why I love doing both those things because it Completely fulfills that passion.
0: Amazing. I could talk about coaching all day. Um, But, Lucy, what does being an entrepreneur mean to you?
1: Really, it's freedom. That freedom to be completely courageous and do what's true to you. Because I'm not sure we always get the opportunity to do that. And I certainly didn't realize that at the start of my journey. I think Mm. it came to light as I've gone through it. Um, But freedom is a real gift and it's a Mm. rare gift. And although we feel like we're chained up with all the responsibilities which you are, the ability to know that you can adapt and change and redirect and have that agility that can keep you so present and relevant all the time, I love about being an entrepreneur.
0: I feel like it's such a privilege as well Yeah. if you can um, you know make that decision even having it's a privilege even even being able to be in the position to make that decision mm. to then yeah. go and run with something that's your own um, and I hear a, a lot of um, peers that are sort of it's what they always wanted to do but now they're so in the thick of it it's almost like they lose sight of that and it does just become stressful. Yeah. Um, which of course it is but it's sometimes I think you need to remind yourself but this is I dreamt of doing this so um, and if it does get too much what would be your advice for someone let's say you have embarked on that you've started the business a couple years down the line you're like this doesn't feel like what I want to do anymore does that mean that you're not an entrepreneur or does that just mean that maybe that was not the right business
1: you know, you—it's such a great question because actually, I think it's so familiar for me, mm-hmm. because when I look back now, part of our reason for even considering having—you know—selling the business was about giving opportunity to the rest of our team and allowing the business to be bigger and greater than just the sum of us. But also, at the time, we were so tired. I was so yeah. tired. I had been pregnant and delivered three children yeah. in the period of the decades, you know, up to that point. I had worked seven day weeks, 22 hour days. Yeah, worked your socks off. Literally, you know, and I never complained. Well, I probably did complain a bit, but you know, happy to do it. But I think actually the greatest learn from that was I was doing everything right, but what I really needed to do was take some time. Mm-hmm. We were in a position where I could have just stepped away for a little bit. Given myself some breathing space. And actually, if I'd gotten a coach sooner and had invested more in me, because I was so busy running the business, caring for everybody else, whether it was at home, in the office, mm. clients, you know, I was way bottom of the list. And actually, if I just reshifted that a little bit sooner, it would have given a renewed vigor because you can How get fatigued. Yeah. And it, it, you know, for me, it was kind of probably eight years in. For someone else, it might be two years in, depending on the person, on the business. But the really important thing is to do everything in your power to support yourself. Everything that needs to be done. Because if you're not investing into you and you're at the helm of the business, then the business will suffer. If you're distracted, you know, if you're not clear about where you're trying to get to and your head's in three different places, you just have to take Mm -hmm. a step back and go, okay, how am I going to be able to get there when I'm also thinking about here and here? You know, that's like just getting in the car and going, you know, and Google Maps gives you three options. Who, You know, one option or three, which is going to get you there quicker. The one, you know, focus is underrated, I think. You need to be really clear about where you're getting to and where you're going to. And if things are in your way, it's really important to address them. Because I'm absolutely sure businesses have gone under, entrepreneurs have walked away when actually such simple things could have been done to help refresh, refocus and Mm. getting help. I honestly cannot impress enough asking for help. I never asked anybody for help. I mean, what an idiot when I look back on it. But people
0: get very like it's their baby and they just don't know
1: how to quite let go. Well, and nobody's saying let go. Asking for help doesn't mean mm. you're giving anything away. In fact, you're getting more for yourself mm. because you cannot know everything. Yeah. And that is the greatest mistake many entrepreneurs, if they're in the leadership role, can make. That because I'm the leader, because I own this business, I have to have all the answers. That yeah. is fundamentally not true. You, if you set up a business and you are, you know, you've invented a, you know, a nail varnish remover... Nobody's expecting you to be an absolute whiz at the HR function or at, you know, being a CFO. Yes, you can learn those skills, but you can't know everything. And that's where people trip up often. It's reach out. And you know what? Most people are really happy to help, to give advice, to help point you in the right direction. But you've just got to ask.
0: You're making me think of this quote, but I can't remember who said it. I think it was Steve Jobs about how he always hires people smarter than him. Not because, because um, you know, a lot of the time people don't want to hire people that they might feel threatened by. But he's like, no, I want those people yeah. because they're going to help build my business.
1: And actually, it's been proven that leaders that are able to admit their mistakes have a much higher retention of staff and loyalty than leaders that don't, yeah. because we all feel we nobody is perfect, we're human yeah. and actually what matters is putting yourself out there and making decisions and that's what leadership is about. You've got to take the call and a lot of the time the calls will be right and sometimes they're going to be wrong, but if you want to progress and you want to be agile and you need to kind of be in an environment of innovation in a world that is moving so fast and they say, um, I'm trying to think, who was it? Accenture did a study very recently around innovation and the climate to best prepare people to innovate. Mm-hmm. They have to feel comfortable. You have to feel like you are somewhere where you can fail because that's what innovation is. Innovation is constantly reconsidering ideas that already exist but making them better.
0: Yeah, and that's, you know, I learned this on my coaching course um, and they actually uh, referenced Brene Brown. Um, who I was such a huge fan of anyway. Um, you know, vulnerability is the yes. birthplace of creativity, and you need to, people need to be able to feel like they can get it wrong mm. and they're not going to be penalized for that.
1: Because we're all going to get things wrong. Yeah, Fact. it's human nature. <laughs> Making mistakes is, you know, it's like change, the one consistent. It's inevitable.
0: Thing. Yeah. So before we do our quick fire round, I just want to ask you do you think anyone can be an entrepreneur? Or is it something that's sort of like inherently within you?
1: I really think anyone can be. What it's about, you know, the definition of entrepreneur is someone who has their own business and makes money. I mean, in simple terms, if you have a good business idea, ultimately, you can be an entrepreneur. But you need to have the right business. Where today we see is that, you know, it's, as you said, it's a buzzword. Anyone who's everyone is an entrepreneur. And and I'm... Not sure that's true. I think, you know, a true entrepreneur has has come up with something that has changed the market, who is responsible for more than themselves. There has to be some meat behind it. Um, You can be self-employed. I think that's different to being an entrepreneur. And that's probably where the lines are a little blurred at the moment. Being self-employed and being an entrepreneur, in my mind, would be quite different.
0: Yeah, just because you have an Instagram account and make your own videos doesn't necessarily mean yeah, you're an entrepreneur. Shifting that industry yeah. beyond,
1: you know, where entrepreneurialism comes, you know, that's why you have these pinups like Richard Branson, where they've looked at a product or service and yeah. they have absolutely transformed the way that happens,
0: and again and again and again, yeah. in a lot of cases. Um, okay Lucy we're going to do a quick fire round now. Okay. And try a quick favorite <laughs> quote.
1: Oh I really love this one. Um, Einstein's theory of insanity which is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. That yep. was just the biggest light bulb moment for me when I heard it because we had been in I had definitely been operating in that like why is this not getting better? I keep doing it. <laughs> ah got to change how you do it.
0: Yeah, and that can apply to all areas of our life as well. Absolutely. Best piece of life advice you've ever been given?
1: At the top of every uphill struggle, there is a bench with a lovely view. And I really believe that. I think life is a cycle. Like an economy, you have really, really low periods. You have recessions where it's... (laughs) unbearable but then you have huge highs yeah. where prosperity reigns but nothing stays the same forever and everything's a cycle and the good will always come
0: mm. and and sometimes those lows remind you to really lean into the good bits absolutely because you yeah you need the lows with the highs to appreciate them
1: and that's life's rich tapestry yeah
0: favorite tool or app for helping organize your life
1: <laughs> i'm so old fashioned uh, the blackboard in my kitchen. Nice. <laughs> because we ran a crazy house. <laughs> you know, three children. Yeah, three kids. Thirteen, eleven and eight. Plus myself, my husband, the dog, you know, it's just a bit of a mad Everyone's got a, a different schedule. <laughs> yes. And I find the whole thing so hard and of course couldn't live without my iPhone and my calendar, but actually things change so quickly. And the blackboard has saved my bacon day
0: I like after that. day. Good old blackboard. <laughs> yeah. Um, biggest pet peeve when it comes to business?
1: Do you know, can't bear it, when people don't respond to emails. Which, ironically, I think I did to you. So my bad. I think I was really slow No, but you back were
0: away, too. but then you came yeah. back to me and Thank said, Oh, for I'm the sorry for
1: the, for the late <laughs> reply. But I really, I just think, I've never understood that. If you were st- stood in a room with someone and they talked to you, would you just ignore them? Yeah. But yet, people think it's perfectly acceptable to just not respond to emails. And it, it used to bug me when we were pitching for, you know, a huge business. We've mm. worked weeks and weeks and weeks. And you send it, you don't even get thank you. Yeah. You received it.
0: Especially when someone's asked you specifically yeah. to send something by a certain time. Yeah. And you do just that. And then you get no acknowledgement. And then you're thinking, did they get it? Did exactly. it go to their spam?
1: And if you really care. I've got which- to now follow
0: up. I've got to put a reminder to yeah. remind me to
1: follow up. Yeah. I mean, I'm big on manners. I think, you know, m- good old fashioned courtesy is a really important professional and personal.
0: I'm the same. Song. And I get people emailing me their CVs thinking I'm like an age, a big agency. And I still reply yeah. because I don't if you're sending out your CV, I don't want you to think you know, you've probably sent it to 100 people. But it's nice just to have that acknowledgement. Huge. I've received it. Thank you. You know, I'm yeah. not looking at the moment. But I yeah, I hate that. And some people I've emailed over the years and I've just never heard from no. them
1: it's like they ghost and you you. Think, <laughs>
0: <laughs> how I, uh, do they do business if they just never reply to their email very
1: odd well it, it, it to me it says a lot about the person that yeah other things are more important than yeah you. priorities and I think that's a real shame
0: most important life lessons so far
1: well I think I mentioned it what goes around comes around mm, I the think karma I really believe in it's so simple isn't it but I just think
0: well, you say it's so simple, but a lot of people don't get it. Yeah. So <laughs> I, it I sounds mean, simple. I've worked
1: on it, but I, I think life has delivered it for me. There's yeah. been so many moments where I could... But I'm not a confrontational person anyway, but I could have done so many things and have never... have always taken the moral high ground, and it has worked out for the best.
0: Yeah, and equally, when you, when you really put something out there... You can you can sort of feel it coming back, yeah. And my mom's always said that to me, so I, I grew up always wanting to connect people and wanting to oh I know someone that might be good for you or you know um, any friends that need jobs or I'm always yeah. like I want I genuinely want it not just because I hope that I get something back but it's so lovely to do that and put that out there yeah it really um is. and you feel it because then when someone does that to you you're like oh that's nice exactly. it sort of like comes full circle goes around, yeah
1: hundred percent.
0: If you could give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: To save money and invest. This is like my big adult life lesson. Yeah. Is just what a donkey I was. And of course, how do you know? It's this great thing that I think, how am I going to package that to tell my children that they will actually listen and act on it? Because it's a bit like being told, you know, you shouldn't smoke. It's bad for your health. You don't listen. Well, I didn't listen. (laughs)
0: Do you know what? I think that was my lesson last year. I learnt the hard way, um, but I learnt that credit cards, I can't have a credit card. Um, they're really dangerous. Yeah. And they should teach this in
1: school. And by the way, I, you've just preempted financial literacy programs should be rolled out through school and university. And I really, because I'm an intelligent human, very capable but understanding of getting through university and coming out the other side, but then even into, you know, when I started earning, understanding that to save, but also invest, because saving alone will not help your future. Mm. Learning to invest, I think there is a huge opportunity to educate both you and i and everybody else that we're all thinking we need to rely on other people to do it for us yeah and actually i'm going through the process myself now learning the whole process myself
0: well you just don't know you know you you can't if you don't know it you
1: can't do it and there's so much mythology around it that it's because you know how people used to be around technical and digital and programming it was like dark arts nobody understands it so you just let someone else do it and i really think there's a stigma around investing Individuals investing rather than relying on a financial advisor and all of well, these
0: I'm other. I'm still very much of that. You know, I, I've managed to get my head around how credit cards work. I don't have credit cards anymore. I got myself out of well debt. Done. I learned. Um, I learned the hard way, but I, it was such a valuable lesson. But I'm still of that mindset that. Well, investing is for rich people and I'll never earn enough to invest. I know that's a self-limiting belief, but it's it's that sort of like investing. Well, that's for people with millions. That's Warren Buffett, right? You know, I I can't even save. But also, and I don't know who said this, but if you can save 100 dirhams, then you'll be able to save 100,000. So you need to be able to. It's a discipline. And it's one I haven't learned yet. Book
1: recommendation for you. Andrew Hallam, expat millionaire. Okay. Tells you the whole story and about how if you invested thousand dollars, compound interest and the whole, and it in layman's terms. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very liberating. And I wish if I'd done it, you know, ten years ago. But again, it's never too late to change. It's never too late to start yeah. a new habit. So, but if I had done that from eighteen,
0: <laughs> I know I
1: might be on a yacht in somewhere fabulous. I know,
0: but <laughs> money is so funny. Oh good. And, and you are Sometimes you it depends on like you're very conscious that you're going to teach your children. I think it depends on your role models as well growing up. Yeah. Sort of how the, their relationship was with, was with money that can sometimes rub off on you. Yes. And sure. yeah, money is like something I'm still I'm still figuring out. Money, value, worth, it's all a big sort of yeah, I'm very much in the thick of that.
1: <laughs> and it is. I mean like you said, I would love I don't know, you know. Maybe that's something I should spend more time on. You know, supporting a way to get that knowledge out because I honestly think the education system doesn't do enough to support. I don't think it does anything, does it, in terms of
0: money management or what is interest? Um, And especially here, not so much now, but it used to be that they call you up offer you a credit card and you just get it and you just get it and the monthly repayments sound so small and you just think brilliant yeah and it's just yeah it's It's so dangerous I know um okay Lucy last question okay what do you know for sure
1: what do I know for sure that's a great one I'm sure and I had an answer (laughs) all worked out Where there's a will, there's a way. Because ultimately, going back to resourcefulness, actually, I've never been faced with a problem or obstacle or opportunity that, given time and a bit of creative mm. thinking, couldn't be overcome.
0: I love that. Yeah. I think uh, resourceful resourcefulness is the, is the word yes. for this episode. I love that. Lucy thank you so Such much a pleasure. Thank you. all the wonderful people you've mentioned I will tag in the show notes Super. as well so people can find them okay. and I'll also add all your information there as well thank um, and thank you so much Lucy. thank you so
1: much for having me and I love this space and I want to go <laughs> home and redesign my home <laughs> office in the same way oh, it's so fab so thank, thank you it's thanks, been a
0: pleasure. Lucy. thanks thank you once again to Lucy for all her incredible knowledge and insights you can follow Lucy on Instagram at, at @lucilu_dubai, and you can also contact her via LinkedIn. Links to all Lucy's pages can be found in the show notes below. As always, if you'd like to find out who my guest will be on the next episode of Life School, please do follow us on Instagram at @lifeschoolme, where you can keep up to date with all our news and find information on all our amazing guests. And finally, I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review, and subscribe life school me the podcast to help us reach and hopefully inspire more listeners thank you for listening to life school conversations to inspire action